You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I'm looking forward to preaching here tonight. I believe this is something that God has for us here, and I hope that you'll listen. I hope that I can convey the thought. That's my prayer, that the message is there. It's God's message. But I pray that I would just be the messenger, that I convey the thought as God has dealt with me. And this, uh, the, the title of the message here tonight is, He's Coming Back. He's coming back though you're facing tragedy. He's coming back though you feel defeated. He's coming back though you may be depressed. Though you may be facing situations in life where you feel like we're not going to make it through or looking at the world and looking at the situations that are taking place and how are we ever going to get through this and there's going to be a new normal and nothing's ever going to be the same. He's coming back. Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil, And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a, what's the next word? For a, what's the next word? What does that mean? He's coming back. Hey, he's coming back, though you're facing trials and tragedies today. And I'm not talking about Jesus. Hey, he's coming back though you feel defeated. Though you may have had a great answer to prayer, though you may have been through a great victory in your life emotionally or spiritually or financially, he's coming back. The Bible says that he departed from him for a season, and the title of the message tonight is, He, the Devil, is Coming Back. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. I pray that you would please hide me behind the cross. I pray that you'd have me to say exactly what you'd have me to say and abstain from saying anything that I shouldn't. 
Lord, I pray that you'd cleanse me from sin. Lord, I pray that you would. Please fill me with your spirit. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. A little bit of background before we begin the, the, the uh, numbers for the message, if you will, is how did the devil try to tempt Jesus? How did the devil try to tempt the Son of God in these situations? Because I believe that if we analyze Scripture, if we study Scripture, we can understand how the devil is going to try and attack us. And what tactics does the devil use? And what areas does he come at us with? And how do we fight him in those areas? And how do we be effective in those areas? And I think we can look to no other example that's greater than Jesus, the Son of God, and how he resisted the devil in this portion of Scripture. Well, it says the devil came to him, and what did he, what did he do? How did he try and tempt him? You know what? He distorted the truth. He tried to twist Scripture. You know how the devil comes to us as Christians? Obviously, if we're not Christians, if we don't know for sure where our eternal destination lies, then he tries to tempt us with, with uh, distorting the truth and with us to never get saved and believe a lie, if you will, and a delusion. But you know what? The devil comes here to believers. He comes here to the Son of God, and he quotes Scripture. And you know what? The devil tries to get you to look at Scripture and try and justify the things that you're doing that are sinful. That tries to get you to justify that maybe the Holy Spirit has dealt with us about an area, but we say, hey, but the Bible says this over here, and even though the Holy Spirit has dealt with me, you know what? I think it'll be okay. Since the beginning of time, when we had Adam and Eve, and the devil comes to Eve, and he asks her, hath God said? That's still resounding and echoing through the portals of time today. Hath God said? Is that really what God meant? Hey, when the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, you know what? That was, let's just distort that. Let's just twist that a little bit. You know what, that's how the devil came to Jesus, by tempting him, distorting the truth, twisting Scripture. Hath God said, again, since the beginning of time, what was Jesus' response to the devil? You know what, his response is, first of all, I find that he was prepared. You say, how was he prepared? Hey, he knew the Bible. He knew Scripture, and that's why we need to study to show thyself approved unto God. That's why we need to study the Word of God. That's why we need to pray and seek God's face so that when the devil comes and distorts the Scripture, we can say, oh no, that's not what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. And Jesus responded with Scripture, and that's how he resisted the devil. And by the way, with resisting the devil, what happened? The devil parted from him. He ended the temptation. He departed from him. But you know what? The Bible just doesn't say that the devil left. It doesn't just say that the devil stopped tempting him and said, this is a worthless battle. I didn't get him this time, so I'm throwing in the towel. You know what the Bible says? He departed from him for a season. He's coming back. I don't know where you're at in your life with fighting the devil, you know what? Just as Jesus did not give in to the devil and the devil departed, we can do that in our lives as well. And I don't know where we're at in our lives. Maybe it's with the past. And the devil's coming to you and he's attacking you with things from the past. And by the way, if that happens, that's not God. 
If, if it comes up in our lives and says, hey, I'm a worthless sinner and I've done these things in my past and I've done these things and I'm not worthy to serve God and God, you can't use me because of the things that I've done. That is the devil. Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions. So if somebody's coming and attacking you with the past, it's not the devil. I'm sorry, it's not God. It's the devil. Hey, maybe it's our past. Hey, maybe it's our present. And the devil's working on you right now with the tragedy. And he's working on you right now with everything going on to say that we're worthless and say, hey, we're of none effect. And hey, I can't come to church right now because of the illness and because of the pandemic that's taking place. And I, I'm not effective for God. And the devil's coming to you maybe right now with a tragedy. Maybe it's with the trial. Hey, maybe it's with disappointment. Maybe it's with defeat. Hey, maybe it's something with your finances or something with the health. And the devil is working on you. Let me just say... We can get through it. We can fight the devil. Hey, maybe it's going to be in the future. Hey, maybe it's going to be tonight when you leave church, the phone is going to ring and give you some tragic news that takes place. Maybe it's going to be as this week rolls on that circumstances and things come in our lives that the devil is going to come into us and try to get us to not be effective for him. But let me just say this, he's coming back. We may have said, hey, no to the devil. We may have resisted temptation. We may have had a great spiritual victory, but he's coming back. And if the devil's coming back, I just have three things. They're all the letter P to help us out of what to do when the devil comes back. Number one is preparation. Preparation, if you will. Take your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8, if we know the devil is real, and he is. And by the way, let me just say this. The devil knows the scripture and knows the Bible better than you do. He's been around a lot longer. He knows what works. And by the way, he was in heaven. He was with God at one point and was cast out. So we can't think that we're stronger or we're more intelligent or we're wiser than the devil. But there are some things that we can instill. There are some things that we can do to set up in our lives to be prepared to fight the devil. Preparation. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may, what's the next word there? Devour. Does he want to be your friend? Does he want to be your acquaintance? Does he want you to follow him? No, he wants to devour you. Hey, does this world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of the life, does it want to be your friend? Does it want to be uh, you to follow it? Does it want to be your acquaintance? No, this world wants to devour you. That's the goal of the devil, to devour you. Not just to say, hey, we're just going to do a small thing here or there. He wants to literally devour you. So what should we do? It, it says be sober. What does that word sober mean? Well, if you look it up, in today's sense, it simply means to not be drunk. We know that uh, when we're not sober, we're not showing restraint, we're under the influence of something other than the Holy Spirit. We know Ephesians 5.18 says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I don't believe in this portion of Scripture, the Bible is talking about not being drunk. 
And we know that when we're intoxicated, when we're drunk, we say and we do things that are often out of our control. And we should be in control. What, the, what does the Bible say here? I believe this word in context, sober, means to be temperate. It means showing self-restraint, not out of control. So again, you can use the same reference, although it's not talking about what I believe anyway, that being drunk is talking about being, hey, under control. The question is, do you have things under control right now with your uh, uh, preparation? Hey, are, are you showing self-restraint? Hey, it, be, it says be sober, be vigilant. What does vigilant mean? It says keeping a careful watch for danger or for difficulties. You know what I find that when I became a parent, all of a sudden I became very vigilant about my children. Now I think some of that is human nature, okay? If you want to make an animal upset, then go when it has a baby and start messing with the baby when mama's around. Now dad's doing whatever, you know, whatever, but do that when mama's around and watch what happens real quick. And, uh, you know, you may see a baby bear and you're like, oh, look at the bear. It's so cute and it's small and whatever else. But where there's a baby bear, who's around somewhere? Mama bear. And she's not going to be too happy with it. But you know what? We as parents become vigilant or should be vigilant with our children. And we look after them and we guard them and don't let them do things that would be ridiculous for them to do. If you see them walking towards a swimming pool and they're, you know, three years old and you're like, well, look, isn't that cute? They're going to go swimming for the first time. Probably not, right? Okay, you're going to be vigilant about that. You're going to be vigilant, especially with the times and everything that's going on. We need to be vigilant as parents. Hey, I think of even homeowners when we purchase our first house or when we own a home, you know what? We're vigilant with that house. And we say, you know what? I want to keep a guard over it and I'm going to uh, protect it from the outside world. And we put signs up on those houses that says, the door is locked for your safety. Not for mine, amen? Because we know what's going to happen if they come inside. This door is locked for your safety. All God's people said, amen. We're vigilant with our homes. Hey, we're vigilant with our children. We're vigilant sometimes with our cars. Amen? I saw somebody's car. I'm not going to point you out here today. They've got a newer vehicle, and you know where that vehicle's parked? At the very back of the parking lot. You say, why are they parked at the very back of the parking lot? So that you'll not park right next to them, amen? And you say, well, why is that? Because when your kids open the door, when you open the door and you put dings in the car and you walk by it and say, hey, you know, I've got objects in my hand and the kids got objects and oh, let's check this out or let's touch this or put our hands all over or whatever else. But you know what? When we have a new vehicle, we have something that we appreciate or when we have something that has value to us, what do we do? We're vigilant with it. And maybe I didn't name what you're vigilant over. Maybe it's an RV or maybe it's a boat or maybe it's whatever possession you can think of. But yet in life, although we're vigilant as parents and vigilant as homeowners and vigilant as property owners and owning stuff, are we vigilant in our spiritual lives? To say, hey, the devil's coming back and I'm going to keep a watch out. And I'm going to set up guards so that the devil can't come in and destroy my life because he's seeking to devour it. To be sober, be vigilant. Hey, to know the Bible, to study, to show thyself approved unto God. Not just to show, but to know. Hey, unto God, not unto man. 
Don't we should know how to get a hold of God? When is the last time that we had a prayer answered? If it's been a while, you know what? We need to get back into it because there's going to come a time where we need a big prayer answered. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So number one, help me out here. When the devil comes back and we know that he is, first of all, we need to do what? Prepare. What do we need to do? Help me out. What do we need to do? To prepare. Hey, it sounds simple, but it's something that we've got to set up. Number one, prepare. Number two, to practice. You say, what are you talking about there to practice? Do you know what I find with children? I, I've never seen this before. Maybe you have. You can educate me afterwards. I've never seen, now I've seen a lot with babies and you're like, dad, dad. Dad, dad. You know, repeat after me, dad, dad. Because you want them to say dad, dad first, amen. Because you want them to be spiritual from the beginning. We want to get started off right, amen. But you know, when you say mama, mama, or papa, or whatever, diddy. That was new to me. <laughs> what is a diddy? I know what a daddy is. What is a diddy, amen. But uh, you, you start saying, hey, say this or say that, and it's cute. But you know what? I've never seen a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or somebody saying, repeat after me, no, no, say it, say it, no. But you know what? Somehow along the other children pick that up, and mom and dad all of a sudden say to them, and they look at you with a straight face, and something you've never taught them to do, and they look at you and they say, no. And you're looking at them and saying, excuse me? But you know what, we don't have to teach them that, but what do we teach them as they're growing up? Hey, you don't, you don't tell mom and dad no. Hey, you don't tell this person no. And then maybe something subconsciously happens because when they become teenagers and enter the youth group and become young adults and become adults, we forget how to say no. Or maybe we've been ingrained, and I say that halfway facetiously, to not say no that we just say yes. And now we're teaching them as teenagers and preteens and young adults and adults, just say no. Hey, when temptation comes, say no. Hey, when kids want you to do something, say no. Take a stand. Do what's right. You know what? Again, you don't have to teach children to say no, but you have to teach teenagers and adults to there was an anti-drug abuse act that took place in the 80s. And I was born in 1981. You can do the math. That makes me 27. <laughs> but this Just Say No movement came about when I was growing up. It was one of the, a part of the U.S. government's effort to revisit and expand the war on drugs. As with most anti-drug initiatives, Just Say No, which became an American catchphrase in the 80s evoked both support and criticism from the public. In the early 80s, a cheap, highly addictive form of cocaine, known as crack, was first developed. The popularity of this led to an increase in the number of Americans who became addicted to cocaine. In 1985, the number of people who uh, said they used cocaine on a routine basis were, had increased from 4.2 million to 5.8 million people. In 1987, crack was reportedly available in all but four states. Emergency room visits during uh, uh, 1984 to 1987 increased fourfold. President Reagan's wife, Nancy Reagan, launched a campaign that said, just say no. This campaign encouraged children to re reject experimenting with or using drugs, 
simply by saying the word no. They came out with a D.A.R.E. program. I remember the, the D.A.R.E., the Drug Abuse Resistance Education, and that dog that followed it and whatever else. And literally, they had songs, and they had slogans, and they had campaigns. And maybe you remember it, maybe you don't. But they said, hey, literally, just say no. $1.7 billion into this campaign just trying to get people to say one word, the word no. And if we can't say no to drugs, how in the world are we going to say no to sin? And you know what? Let me just say, we don't have to invest $1.7 billion. All we got to do is go back and follow God's word and realize, hey, we need to say no. It's time for us to take a stand. It's time for us to say, hey, when all everybody else, when it seems like everybody else is doing wrong, hey, when the devil comes and he's coming back, I'm going to be prepared. But number two, I'm going to practice saying no. James 4 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And watch what he'll do. He will flee from you. But what does it take? It takes somebody resisting him. It takes somebody that says, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to just say no to the devil. Hey, I'm going to just say no when somebody offers or something us that we shouldn't be doing. I'm going to just say no when we know we're supposed to be doing something else. And I'm going to just say no when people are gossiping and want us to join in. I'm going to just say no and take a stand when the devil comes and he tempts me in my life, and by the way, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you, but he's coming back. Number one, preparation. Number two, practice. Number three, and I'll finish. It's being perceptive. Being perceptive. You say, well, what does that mean? It says having or showing insight or discernment. You say, what does that mean? Well, let's study how the devil attacks. Let's study what the devil does, and let's have a little bit of discernment so that we can make wise choices, we can make educated choices. Hey, first of all, the devil comes after victories. You know what? The devil came to Jesus here right after he was baptized. You know what? That was a special moment in Scripture that literally the heavens opened up and a voice of God spoke out audibly, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine what it would have been like to see that? The heavens open, a voice from God speaking out in Jesus, doing exactly what his father wanted him to do, following God's will. This great thing that just took place. Hey, I think of baptism in the Christian's life. You just made this decision to trust Christ. The first step of obedience is to be baptized. And you get up there and you're nervous about what's going to take place. And you're nervous, is that water going to be cold or is it going to be warm? And am I going to drown to be the first one in history to drown in the baptism waters and you get up there and you say hey I'm making the choice to follow after God and I'm making this decision you get baptized and it's exciting but then comes the devil right after this event the devil comes to Jesus hey the devil comes after victories I think of Elijah running for his life literally after he had just called fire down from heaven after he had just prayed and God had it rain on the earth after many years of having a drought. And then he runs for his life and asks that God just kills him. The devil comes after victories. The devil comes when we're alone. 
Jesus was in the wilderness alone. Hey, why is it important to come to church? Because there's other people that are here, amen? It's encouraging to see others that are here. Hey, and that's our goal as Christians is, hey, when, but before we come to churches, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? Hey, who's downhearted and who's defeated because I just want to pray for them and I just want to love on them and I just want to let them know it's so good to see you and exhorting and encouraging one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. You say, well, I'm, I, I'm in church, so I'm obeying God. I fulfill my responsibility. I'm just going to sit here. And then Brother Nathan's going to talk about lunch during the morning service and break the rules of the church. And uh, we're going to have a business meeting afterwards and talk about that. But, you know, we just sit there and kind of tune out. Well, you know what? I obeyed God. I was at church, not forsaking the assembly. I fulfilled my duty. You missed it. Those that need to be encouraged should encourage somebody else. And you know what happens with that? Then all of a sudden we're encouraged. Hey, number one is preparation. Number two is practice. Just saying no. Number three is being perceptive. The devil comes to us when we're alone. You know, I think about a lion. And when a lion looks out, and I mentioned this in my Sunday school class, but you think of a lion, that's not something that I would say, hey, you know what, that's, you know, that's something that I'm going to go after. And you know what, I'm not even going to take a gun because I'm a man. I'm going to take a knife or I'm going you know, to take a bow and arrow. How about that? And there's this lion roaming around, and we say, hey, I'm going to catch that thing, and I'm going to kill it. I'm going to take care of it. Those things are massive, you know? And, and yeah, that's something that I'm going to go after. You know, I'm strong, I'm tough. And, uh, but what is a lion looking for? It says, the, the, the Bible says that the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know what the, de the devil's looking for? You know what a lion is looking for? It doesn't look at a herd of wildebeest out there and says, hey, you know what? I'm a lion. You know, I'm strong, I'm tough. So I'm going to pick the biggest, baddest wildebeest that's out there, and I'm going to take him down. Because if I take him down, all the others are going to take notice. Is that what a lion does? No. What is he looking for? He's looking for the weak. He's looking for the one that, you know, they have their herd there, but there's one just kind of straggling, like, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay by myself. Hey, you know what? Who really needs church during the pandemic anyway? You know, I'm at home on my comfy recliner. Hey, this is great. I can have popcorn. I can, I can say, hey, babe, can you get me some more? Can I get a refill? Amen? And uh, this is great. But you know what? That's who the devil's looking for. Those who have isolated. But you know what? As a church, we are strong together. Hey, we encourage each other. We pray for each other. We exhort each other. That's what it's about. And you know what? The devil's looking for those who are alone. He's looking for those who are weak. So if we're being perceptive, if we're showing insight and discernment, we know, hey, look, there's some things in my life that I'm feeling defeated or I'm feeling discouraged, and that's the time we need to get with others and say, hey, I'm having a hard time. Can you pray for me? And you know what? That, it's okay to admit that we're having a hard time. It's okay to admit that we're a little bit discouraged because that's when it's time to encourage one another. And by the way, that can be reciprocated as well. 2 Corinthians 10.4 in closing, we're in a spiritual warfare. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God 
to the pulling down of strongholds. Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If we think for half of a second that there's not a spiritual battle taking place during this pandemic, we've missed it. What happens? Here's the good news. He's coming back. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. When he comes back, you know what? You know what we can do when we fight him off? When we get the victory, if you will, turn back to Luke uh, chapter 4. And there's two verses that I intentionally left out. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 14. What happens when we're prepared? What happens when we practice just saying no? What happens when we're perceptive that when the devil comes, we resist the devil and he flees from us? What does that do for us in life? Verse number 14. After the devil departs for him for a season, verse 14 takes place. And the Bible says, and Jesus returned in the, what's the next word? In the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a, what's the next word? Fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. You know two things that come when we resist the devil, when we fight the devil off when he comes back? Number one, we have power. And number two, we have fame. Now, I'm not talking about fame that you're going to be on TV. Hey, look at this guy. He resisted the devil and the devil fled. But I'm talking about fame. You know what, Matthew chapter number 17, there was something that took place in this chapter and the disciples tried to heal somebody. They tried to cast out a devil, but they weren't able to. And they come to Jesus and said, hey, why were we not able to do this? And he says originally because of your unbelief and he Follows it up with saying, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. If there was ever a time in the United States, if there was ever a time in America, if there was ever a time in our family that we need God's power, which comes by prayer and fasting, I believe that it's today. Now, you know what I believe is also like the book of Esther, that you know what? God uses people for certain times. And you know what? God is still, His will is still going to be accomplished but the question is, when God's will is accomplished, will we be able to say that we had a part in it? Or will we just say we were there when it happened? And when, I don't know about you, but I, don't, I just don't want to be there when it happens. I want to be a part of it. God is doing great things in our church. And I'm thankful for a pastor that has a vision to do so much more. But you know what? It's going to take some people who have power, some people who pray, some people who fast, and say, hey, you know what? I want God to use our church. Hey, I want God to use me. And we're willing to do that. The evil spirit in the book of Acts says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? That's the fame that I'm talking about. Does the devil even know who you are? Or does he say, you know what? He's doing good enough with his life, wrecking it on his own. I can focus on somebody else. You know what, I want to be known of the devil to say, hey, you know what, that's somebody who is prepared. That's somebody who practices saying no. That's somebody who's perceptive. And the good news is we're facing a defeated foe. Even though he's going to keep coming back and even though he comes back after victory and even though he comes back during tragedy, the devil's a defeated foe. Hey, God is the one who gets the victory. 
hey, you know what? American Christian lives have been, we have the heritage and we have the freedoms that we have today because somebody took a stand and said no. Because somebody took a stand and said, hey, I'm not going to give up the name of Christ. Hey, I'm not going to deny Christ. And they were murdered and they were tortured and they were crucified through life so that we can have the freedoms that we have today. You think of America, you know what? We need to take a stand because people that took a stand birthed America. And that stand was a spiritual warfare that took place. They wanted to come here for religious liberty, but you won't find that in the history books. It's about time that we take a stand. No, we are here because people said no, because people took a stand. Let's carry that on to the next generation. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.